This is a Federal News Network podcast. 9-11 sparked a resurgence of trust in government, at least temporarily, and it pushed many people to make the career choice to join or stick with government. We asked our listeners and readers to share some of their 9-11 recollections on a special recorded line. What you hear next are their voices. My name is Lisa. I was living in Arlington, Virginia on September 11, 2001, and I still live in Arlington, Virginia. I'm a federal employee, and I was working in Atlanta, Maryland at the time. I usually cross through D.C. to get over there. We heard what happened online with regard to New York, and at the same time, someone said that the Pentagon had a bomb, but later we found out it was a plane that crashed into it. From Lanham, on the ninth floor, we could see the Pentagon on fire with the smoke rising from it. What I remember the most over this horrific event was POTUS at the time told all federal employees that we were to report to work the next day on September 12th, which most of us or all of us did. That showed us the strength of our country, that we would continue during this time of tragedy, and that nothing like this was going to shut us down. And that's what I was proud the most. My name is Holly, and I remember where I was and what I was doing on the morning of Tuesday, September 11, 2001. I was preparing for a wild horse and burrow adoption at the Pauls Valley Off-Range Corral that's located in Pauls Valley, Oklahoma. Uh, the Pauls Valley Off-Range Corral is somewhat remote. There was no television or radio. While working and interacting with the public, a woman asked if I had heard about what happened at the Twin Towers in New York City. I had not yet heard anything. She stated that she had lost a loved one in the Oklahoma City bombing and that her thoughts and prayers were with the people in the Twin Towers and their loved ones. I cannot describe the emotions that immediately came over me. Not long after that conversation, my supervisor gathered everyone to relay the news. My name is Duncan Giles, and on September 11, 2001, I was the vice president, chief steward, and president-elect of NTU Chapter 49 in Indiana. The thing I most remember about 9-11 is being in our district director's office, watching the television and helping him shut our posted duties down, sending people home. We just didn't know what was happening and wanted to make sure that our employees were safe. And thank God in Indiana they were, but I still grieve for the loss of life that happened on that day. My name is Julia. I worked at the United States Senate in 2001, and I was actually a uh, Senate intern on the Foreign Relations Committee that day. That was the first day I started. And I remember working in the press office and watching the news, collecting the news clippings that we were getting together for the press secretary. And I remember watching the planes come in and hitting the World Trade Center and then starting to get notification that there had been a plane that went into the Pentagon, and my memory is being alerted right away that we needed to evacuate the Russell Senate building, and I recall running down from Capitol Hill down to the mall trying to find a way to get out of Washington, D.C., but 
the Metro Police had closed all the Metro stations, so I didn't have a way of getting out of the city because I was living in Maryland. And um, my father was a federal government employee. He was working at the Federal Aviation Administration, and cell phones were jammed, and I was not able to reach him. Somehow, I was able to get a bus out of the city, and probably about six hours later, hear from my father that he was fine. Um, he'd gotten out of the city. 9-11 changed my life, and that was probably the most defining moment in my adult life. I had just finished college, and I've been working for the federal government ever since. My name is Nadra. I work for National Archives in Washington, D.C. I remember being told a whole lot of misinformation instantly, like the subway is on fire and terrorists down there, people kind of panicking and feeling calm, but at the same time worrying about my family. And I have to say, September 11th of that day, I think everybody realized what was important that day, which was family. And that's the good that came up that day. I remember worrying about an aunt who was working at Pentagon when I heard that they hit the Pentagon. That was real troubling, but she was okay. You know, she passed. And to this day, I wonder, was it from her having to slide down the hill to get away from the building? Because she was very close to where it hit. It was a sad day, but it also was a reminder of what's really important. My name is Alex. I was with the U.S. Department of Education near the Air and Space Museum. Because Flight 93 was probably going to Capitol Hill, we would have been very close to the site of the fourth target. I remember some people in my office could actually feel the Pentagon strike. We'd heard about the first plane that crashed into one of the Twin Towers and the second plane shortly thereafter. And then we heard about the Pentagon. There was a rumor around that the subways in Washington, D.C. were out, but but they were not. So I was had the choice of getting onto the subway at Federal Center Southwest, knowing that the subways were, to this day, the most easy target hit, but um, it, it, in terms of the symbolic value, I made a decision that day, at that moment, to get on the subway. I remember that day, the lights going out in the subway, as we, but still the subway was moving. I just remember the day after hearing the helicopters buzzing over, and, and shortly thereafter there was the anthrax attacks as well, which also were close. Uh, a couple buildings close by to mine were hit had received anthrax uh, in the mail. So it was a strange time for all. I'm still with the department, um, and I just, uh, again, it was just a, a surreal day. My name is Kim, and I was working at the National Reconnaissance Office on September 11th. I remember that day clearly because as we sat around the TVs watching the events unfold, um, as the plane hit the World Trade Center and then hit the Pentagon. Our building was in the flight line of Dulles, and I turned to my coworkers and said, that's it, we need to get out of here. I left, went right to daycare, picked up my girls, headed home, sat on the couch and watched the events unfold for the rest of the day. It was a terrible day and a day I'll never forget because I used to work in the Pentagon and knew many people who were still there. Um, so it turned out my agency ended up planning a memorial ceremony as one of our colleagues' husband perished in the Pentagon. And I worked protocol, so that was one of my duties. 
And as I was planning the event and the woman's family came in and she brought photos, I quickly realized that I actually knew the gentleman from my time in the Pentagon. He used to walk the E-ring and would hand everyone a Werther's candy as he passed. And that moment struck me down at where I stood. It was very shocking and very difficult to realize that I actually knew her husband and I had never put that together. It was a very hard moment because I also knew other people who had perished in the Pentagon. And that day stays with me to this day. It turns out my husband is an artist on the side. He actually did a portrait for him. And when he presents it at events, he actually has a bowl of Werther's candy sitting there. And 20 years later, he's actually been in contact with this gentleman's daughter. She had heard about this piece and reached out to him. So he has since donated a copy to the family. That's a day that will forever stay in my mind. And we'll never forget those who we've lost. The voices of feds recalling their experiences from 9-11-2001. That montage was put together by Federal News Network's Jared Serbu. Check out all of our 9-11 coverage at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy. Um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything, and it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, 
and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to, to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that, I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-Stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? 
Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.